Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. William? Yes, Dominic? I have brought for you an apple. Not to eat, just to look at while I eat. Right. Just, you know, because sometimes I get caught short this morning. I knew the podcast was happening. Yep. I did the gym, right. missed my breakfast, and over here... I was a little lightheaded because it's hot in Los Angeles. So you've done the gym already? Already. Did you go to the gym or did you gym in the house? The gym came to me. Now, what did you work on today? Today was legs. And we were also doing a little bit of core. Because let me tell you, you know, you've known me for 20 years now. I lean towards the side of skinny Mm. as opposed to leaning towards the side of chunky. Mm -hmm. But during COVID, as is my want... I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to enjoy a little bit more pasta, yeah, yeah. some butter, yeah. some pizzas. Get you know, just put on a little enjoy bit of yourself. winter weight. Yeah, and uh, the abdominals have have struggled. Have they? So I'm now doing a little bit more ab stuff. And then today we did this thing called, do you know what a curtsy squat is? Yes. Across the whoop, back of whoop. your leg, right? So one leg stands, the other one comes across and back, kind of diagonal, and you squat. Yeah. So. Well, you lunge. Don't you? Lunge backwards. Yeah, you don't yeah. squat. You lunge backwards. You must be doing a lot of those type of things for your butt. Yeah, I do a lot of squats. We do some lunges. Yeah. you got you got to keep your legs and your core strong. My trainer was asking me about your knee because he listens to the podcast. Hi, Stevie. Hello, said, Stevie. And he said, how's Billy's knee doing? I said, it's all right. He's working on it. And I said... He said, What's it, what type of workout is he doing? And I said, well, I know he's doing a few things, but I also know he has the Peloton. And Stevie asked, do you stand up on the bike? I do occasionally. Because that works the bum. But if you so don't... standing up's good. Stand up. Because if you're sitting down, that's all thighs. And you've got thunder thighs. That's your problem, Yeah, right? I know. Thunder thighs. I'll stand up more. Compromised knees and a tiny little ass. Thunder thighs, compromise. Look at the size of my tiny pies. <laughs> yeah, we do like to call our asses pies. See, it's the thing, it's the movement. See, I can only get to there, you see. Well, can I, I go I used more? to be able to go way down to there. Oh, yeah, right. But now it's just to there. Well, I just saw you do it. It's that one. Ah, is it sore or just tight? It's both. See that? That's as far as that will go. This is going to be great for the audio listeners. What I'm doing is I'm holding my leg around the shin and pulling it towards my posterior. Mm. But the sh- the posterior doesn't get very close to the heel. No, it doesn't. Well, that's concerning, Bills. Don't worry about it, Tom. I I'm worry about you. It. Hey, an exciting day for me. I've already told you this, but I'll tell the listeners, Go stroke on. viewers, I'm releasing two wonderful uh, wild rattlesnakes today. I thought you were going to release two singles on the same day. Yeah. Like Kanye West or something. A side and a B side. Yeah. Uh, two rattlesnakes that I've been rehabilitating. They they came to me with some digestive problems. They were not interested mm. in eating food. So you didn't have to get as much water in them as possible. Mm-hmm. Get them with a nice constant heat. Get them mm-hmm. nice and fit and healthy. Sometimes you have to give them some antibiotics to get some parasites out. Didn't need to with these guys. Just needed to get them safe, get them well, get them hydrated. They now started to eat. They're big and fat. And now I'll take them about a, an hour and a half drive outside of Los Angeles to a very steep canyon and set them free. And I tell you what, it's a wonderful feeling. You open up the little sealed bucket, pour them down the side of this canyon, boom, brand new life. Some little mouse somewhere is going to hate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But I take them to this very steep canyon. It's absolutely perfect for snakes. And a lot of other animals. It's like a deep trough. Mm. So no humans can go down there. There's no mm. trails. And it's a paradise for animals because they all live down there. Water pools down there so they can get hydrated. 
And especially for snakes, sit down at the bottom, wait for the food to come by. You didn't name them or anything, do you? I don't name animals that I release. No. But the ones that I keep, I do. But uh, these were two wild rattlesnakes that I'd always planned on releasing. So, no, no names for them. Well done. You've saved those. You've saved those snakes, Dom. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Um, What else is going on with you? We were just talking about sports documentaries and you've not... You've not seen The Last Dance? No, I, I think I watched the first episode. Has is is seen the first episode? Does he, um, was it? Was he playing pennies against the wall or something? He plays pennies a, against the wall at some point. I've got a memory of that. Yeah. But no, I didn't watch it. It's great. Yeah. I love sports documentaries. I like them as well, although I do think that uh, basketball is sizest. Well, it definitely is sizest, yeah. There's, so there's no argument there. There's been a few anomalies in the basketball world. Not that many, right? No. There was a guy called Boykins that wasn't very big. Five foot six, I think. Something around about there, about our height. But most even short basketball players now are like 6'4", 6'5". You have to be kind of pushing So could there not be another league for basketball where they drop the basket a foot and everybody has to be under six foot? So you're suggesting a crapper version of basketball a faster would it be faster maybe be faster more exciting would it be more exciting it might be more exciting and certainly they'd have to what we're going to do the the basket comes down a foot right but the the, the, tall shoes as well no 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 keep the shoes as they are and then but see the the court will make that twice the size oh wow that seems really tough Big. on the little guys. Oh, it's tough on them. It's all, yeah. yeah. The, yeah probably the, the life cycle of the, the under six foot basketball player would be about two years. Yeah. Because yeah. you'd be exhausted. Exhausted. Back and forward, back and forward. But that Boykins guy, he could slam dunk on a normal sized net. They should have called him Boinkins. Boinkins. To be honest. But isn't that amazing? He's our height. Yeah, slam dunk. Do you feel sometimes a little? Have you had been on the brunt of some sizest? Not really. Do you know what? I didn't even know. Hey, short ass, get out! I never even knew I was on the shorter side until I remember the day I was at in a science class and we were learning about statistics and things. I suppose. Yeah. And everybody got weighed and measured, and I was on the bottom. 10% 10% of the height until that moment you didn't know I thought I was tall wow like the hobbits in uh, Lord of the Rings they don't think they're small they think everyone else is abnormally tall don't they well they are yeah to, to a hobbit it's a good mindset to have yeah and also a lot of the really great actors out there are not necessarily that tall no it's actually Pacino yep De Niro Hoffman Brando none of them tall no. They're all kind of five seven, five eight. Yeah, all the great um, football players. Well, not all, but a lot. A of lot them. of them. Yeah, Maradona, smallish. Messi, smallish. Change direction faster. Yeah, low sense of gravity. A low sense of gravity. Slow. What is the word? <laughs> Center. Oh, thank you. I like the low sense. Yeah, so, like, low sense of gravity. If you just like ignore gravity a little yeah, bit, it yeah. doesn't work so good. I do think that Lionel Messi does ignore gravity. He's very good, isn't he? He's just signed on to uh, spend the rest of his days at Barcelona. He took a 50% pay cut. I think that's all right when you're making that kind of money. Brilliant. But what that tells you for someone like Messi to take a 50% pay cut is I'm motivated to stay at this club. I'm not motivated by money. I'm not motivated by a legacy or a name outside of this club. His thing was I want to finish my career at Barcelona. My dad, hi dad, has been banging on for like, I don't know, a decade now. Oh, Messi's coming to City, Messi's coming. No, no he's, he's not, not coming he's to not City. Dad. He's not. He's not. Put your can of condensed milk away. Yeah. Shelve it for we another We won't tap. be watching that. You won't be watching that at all. Just wrap up your nuts. I beg your pardon? Your dad enjoys some nuts. Oh, right. Yeah, no, no. Hey, those um, boiled peanuts that Stephen Colbert uh, suggested we try for Billy and Dom Eat the World, and then we went away with, got to be honest, I threw them out. How long did they last? I wasn't sure, and I gave them a smell. Uh-huh. As I, I like once I'd refrigerated them, and they just smelled a bit. 
Yeah. Like mouldy. Well, I said to John, John the producer, when he gave us the extra ones, mm. I said, are they supposed to smell like that? Mm. And he said, yeah. Damp and... Damp and like a little vinegary. Mm. Okay. Hold on. John's got something to say. Uh, he said that because they were soaked in brine, it's almost like a pickled peanut, so they should be able to last theoretically forever. And they were put straight in the fridge. Theoretically forever. forever. Like for, for, the, for the rest of time. Wow. So if a guy in the future, and uh, like a far, far, like great, 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 great grandson of Stephen Colbert yeah. becomes an archaeologist in the future and digs up one of those nuts, and he'll say, Here's one of my great, great, great grandfather's pickled nuts. I'll just get this into my just back teeth. Pop them into my mouth. Absolutely he, delicious, you'll see. Yeah, if he ever digs up the nuts that Dom mm-hmm. threw away, theoretically, he could still eat them. Mm. So you're telling me, because mine are still in the fridge. You've still got yours. Can I boil them tonight? You can. And if I get sick with violent diarrhea, my first call will be to you, John. Yeah. I'll say, get round here. Mop is brown. I was what Colbert said. He said, these things, these things last a lifetime. So, Well, Ma- he's a wise man. He's a wise man. For sure. He's like a young wizard. Might I suggest if you're going to boil your nuts tonight? Yep. A couple of beers on the side there. Maybe a Modelo. Well, maybe it, a Pacifico. I think it'd be nice sun. with a beer, wouldn't it? It's great. That's what... Uh, and a salty nut. That's what Stephen Colbert said. A beer... On the boat, heading back after a successful fishing trip. For me, a successful fishing trip means they've gone back in. For other people, there's something different. They go in my mouth. Photo opportunity. They're in. Back in again. Think so. Good on you. Yeah. Why not? Dom. Hiya. Had a fantastic game of League of Legends the other day. Oh, let's do the thing. League of Legends. Update. You had a fantastic game. And you would know this because you were in the mid lane when I was having it. We had two great games in two a row. Two great games, but I had one where I got 10 kills, wow. which is very unlike me, Dom. As Kaiser, I think, right? You're right. And you remembered this week to put down your visor and quickly drop a frog. I drop a frog, he fires around, and then I suck her back into my gills. Nice. It's important to have a frog when you're playing Kaiser. Yeah, that's great. This friend of ours that we're playing with is so good that what he'll do is he'll hit the enemy champions until they only need one hit for you to kill them and then he'll back off and he'll go, go on then. And then you hit him and then... Do you think that's why I got 10 kills? I think it's definitely the reason why we're all playing a lot better. And also you said to our friend Jake, hey Jake, if I'm going to go down in the bottom lane with you, maybe you can just give me a few pointers. Yep. So as I was playing in the mid lane, concentrating on my stuff, I could hear him every so often saying, okay, great Bills, that's that's good, just stay in that position. Okay, now we're going to jump in. Okay, now we're going to go back to the shop. So Those much little things. stuff that I didn't know as well. He's like, look, I put this down as a, it'll get you health. Mm. I didn't know that little thing got me health. Bad, yeah. Stand on it. And then he's saying, if you kill this person, you get all this gold. I didn't know you get gold from right. killing champions. Yeah. So it was very, very helpful. And I've, I, I'm, I could be a teacher now. Yeah, that was game one as Kaisar. Brilliant. I was in the mid lane as Ari, I think. Mm-hmm. Did pretty good. And then the second game, you played as Lulu. I did. I was support. And you were brilliant again. You got a ton of assists. I was all right. I like making people big when I'm Lulu. Yeah. There was two moments where we were in a team fight where I, because I always, my seems to be a catchphrase, I go, oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah. And I went, oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, I'm dead. And you went, no, you're going to be massive. And then I survived. So it was great. What a, it's good that. Would you prefer to get really good at Kaisar or really good at Lulu? At the moment, probably Lulu. I mm. like Lulu a lot. She's brilliant. She's great. I like she turns people into rabbits. <laughs> yeah. What it's, could be better? That's so good. So what about Elijah Wood? Well, Elijah Wood um, got in touch with us saying, I'm trying to play the game, and we said you're playing the wrong mode of the game, and then he said, okay, I'll play the tutorial. So he played the tutorial right, right. as Lux okay. and Ari. Right. And then since then, yep. I texted him and said, how are you getting on with the game? Yep. Nothing. Nothing back. Crickets. That sounded like a phone. Really? Yeah. I think the phone's trying to be a cricket, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, I think when, that, when your phone rings like that, the, the actual tone is called crickets. Oh, well, that's why in there. Yeah. Um, 
So I think we're in stasis. Yeah, with we'll call it stasis. We'll call it stasis. Last week I gave him the size of an orange. Mm, I so gave I'm him gonna, a plum. I'm going to stick with the orange because I think so. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed from the drastic improvement we had last uh-huh. week. That's where we're at. Well, I'll stick to the plum as well, but it's slightly shriveled, like okay. Stephen Colbert's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, In my well, fridge. Well, should we get Richard Taylor on? We had such an oh, amazing please. interview with Richard Taylor that we split it into two parts because we were fascinated with what he was saying. He's, he's a great conversationalist and he has got cracking stories. Let's get him on. Right then, Richard Taylor. Billy, I have been packing a suitcase because I am heading away on a little trip. And one of the mm. first things that I've put in my suitcases yes. are my Untuck It shirts. Well, I think that's a very wise call, Dom, because I've got a couple of those shirts now and I love them. They're fantastic. Not only do you not have to tuck them in so they stay kind of wrinkle free, mm-hmm. but also when you put them in your suitcase and take them out at the end of your trip, there's not a crease on them. Lovely. Yeah, I love them. And I didn't have enough short sleeve shirts, you know, polos, and they do that as well. Mm. The short sleeves, really nice cut. They do a slim cut that is absolutely beautiful, Dom. Yeah, you look fantastic in your untucked shirt. They have shapes of all sizes, and they offer sizes from small, you know, a little bit like us, mm-hmm. to triple XL. So any size that you are, there's an untucked shirt for you. And you probably find there's stores around the US of A as well. There's 85 stores nationwide fantastic so use the code onion for 20 percent off your first purchase at untuckit.com this morning billy yes after my workout you mm-hmm. know what i had uh, tell me a lovely bowl of magic spoon cereal and i'll tell you why it has between 13 and 14 grams of protein in each serving and only four net grams of carbs well, that's a great tip. So rather than having a protein shake after your workout, a nice bowl of cereal. Yeah, and zero grams of sugar. It's only a f- 140 calories a serving. Dom, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Wow, that's amazing. And it's got four flavours. You've got cocoa, frosted, fruity, and peanut butter. And what I like to do, and you do it as well, I add the cocoa and the peanut butter, the chocolatey one, and it becomes like a chocolate peanut butter cereal treat. I love it, Dom. So go to magicspoon.com forward slash onion to grab a variety pack and try it out today. And be sure to use our promo code onion at checkout and you'll save five dollars off your first order yeah and magic spoon is so confident in their product it's backed with a hundred percent happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason they'll refund your money no questions asked remember get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash onion and use the code onion to save five dollars thank you magic spoon for sponsoring this episode well Richard, we could talk to you for hours, for hours, but let's let's jump forward because I know that everyone listening out there is is going to be. Yeah, de- they're going. What the hell de- is no, this? No, it's great. That you're talking Richard. about we, get we, on but, to but them. We Yeah, can, we have to make sure that everybody, all our listeners, watch meet the meet feebles. The feebles you now. have to watch. You meet have the to feeble. find it and watch it, um, and we'll talk about yeah, it on the show yeah. another time. Was that a, how, how was that for the longest plug? For a movie, <laughs> but it's a it's a great one, and it's it's so worth watching if it's you can wonderful. if you can find it out there. It's a brilliant film. But let's let's uh, you know all, all these people who are ha- hanging on your every word to talk about Lord of the Rings. Let me let me ask you this one kicking off question because so you guys had to do an extraordinary amount of things on Lord of the Rings. Wettis specifically did so much heavy lifting in that film. But when you sat down with the creative team and with Pete in in these initial conversations, what were the things that seemed to be at the very top of the list of the challenges for making the trilogy? Of course, everyone knows that you're going to be making armor and weapons and creating characters. But what seemed to be the toughest things to try and solve initially? Uh, The plausibility of the world is top of the list. Pete, Pete, I don't even know if Pete said this or whether it's just become myth or we invented it. I apologise if we did, but someone said, um, I can't even, maybe it was me to our crew, I I just can't remember, but uh, imagine that you've taken a plane and landed at the Middle Earth Airport. 
just like you may land at an airport anywhere in the world, you step off and the world is as plausible as the world that we see in front of us in our real world. That, that was critical to us. Pete spoke from the earliest days about it not being a movie that required the actors to stop mid-scene and wink at the audience. Mm-hmm. Just just stay with us, just buy into it, just go along for the journey, we'll get you there in the end. And I would argue that up until that point, I won't say all fantasy movies because I had not seen all of them, but yeah. most fantasy movies did require the actor to do that. It required you to sort of buy into the suspension of disbelief at a significant level because the world was highly fantastical. Mm-hmm. Now, Lord of the Rings is highly fantastical. There's Balrogs and fell beasts for, you know, for sakes. But, um, but the world in which those characters exist is a highly plausible world. It is not our world, but the architecture of the world has been built with similar um, technology and physical realities as our own world. The costuming is made of materials of our own world, and uh, and the creatures the creatures have physiological similarities to our own world, mm-hmm. and that um, that was an imperative, and that was made very clear from the very outset by Pete, and so that put parameters around the design process, but it also set a challenge and expectation around the manufacturing of everything that was so critical. When you guys stepped into the world that we were creating collectively with the art department, the costuming team, the props department, etc., you stepped into a highly plausible ecosystem. You didn't yeah. step and go, oh, what the hell is this? Yeah. You know, you, you, yeah. No, you're absolutely right, Richard. And I can say for the actors, walking into, I'm thinking, you know, Fangon Forest or Moria, maybe even more, when those places felt real. And for an actor, that is incredible to see the amount of art and work that went into those sets makes the actor's job so much easier. Mm. And, And if you don't mind me saying, the the people involved, the the characters from Weta, the love that they put into it also, as much as the sets and the art of the actual set, but the actual people that we met from Weta and the love and passion that they put into it, I think helped those movies as much as anything else. Mm. You know, having those people from Weta there and how much they cared about it, I think, translated onto the screen as much as anything else. Mm. Oh, really... That's lovely of you to say. Many of those people are still here. I love Joe, that. who would have uh, looked after your weapons on the on the Lord of the Rings, is still looking after Great. many projects here, etc. Rob Gillies is still here. Daniel wow. Falconer, of course. Many uh, of those people yeah. that you interacted with. Yeah. And... Uh, we did realize that um, I, it was never spoken of, but I think everyone involved realized that this was our moment. It was our moment on the world stage to try and try and imbue our passion and our love of what we do into something extremely special. <laughs> and uh, it's a well-worn adage now, which I've spoken to a number of times, but I stand by it still today. The reality is that the film wasn't made by a single filmmaker. Of course, it was instigated. It couldn't have happened without Pete, but it wasn't made by a film company. It was made by a population of people across New Zealand that embraced this. Because I would suggest that no matter what small town or city you guys turned up in, the people that were involved, whether only for a day or for the seven and a half years, were all equally... um, engaged at a passionate level with the desire to see this thing work Mm. and uh i feel that that was a huge part of the success of 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 what we finally see in the movies where you sit in the in the cinema and you actually can feel the love of the making of the movie in the movie Mm. uh which is not something you can say about all film Mm. and obviously an extraordinary amount of work 
being done by your company alone, Richard, but was there a moment for you personally or you and Tanya where you came home one night and you said, you know what, I, I, I think we've, I think we're onto something here. You know, you, <laughs> you, you watch something or you achieve something, you think actually there's something special going on. Um, uh, I think, I think no one specific day, but it, it sort of grows on you, of course, from we, the famous meeting at Pete's place, uh, as the story goes, he gave me a phone call. He says, you better get around to the house, uh, grab the guys, bring some fish and chips. Don't forget the Coke. I've got something to tell you. <laughs> right. And uh, the guys uh, being Christian Rivers, Daniel Falconer, Jamie Beswarak, Warren, Mahi, Ben Wharton, Tanya, myself, maybe there are a couple of others I'm missing. I apologize to them. We, we grabbed the fish and chips from a fish and chip store that still exists just down the road, grabbed the bottle of Coke because we couldn't drink, we couldn't eat fish and chips without the Coke, and to went up, ran around to Peter's house, which is just seven minutes' drive from here, and we all sat on the floor eating fish and chips together, and he told us that we're about to start on The Lord of the Rings. And... Um, I, I described it in the past at that moment you you are slightly pushed to the edge of a precipice and of course you have that inflection moment where should I step back because I'm not worthy of this and leave others to 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 do their part and be involved but don't get too involved or do you simply step over the edge of the cliff and um and uh I never hesitated at that moment to step over the edge of the cliff. I might actually hesitate more today mm. because yeah. um, back then my ignorance was somewhat an ally to me. Uh, <laughs> but um, what catches you from hitting the bottom of the cliff? Of course, it's the support of the extraordinary people around you. Only one-eighth of our staff had ever worked on a film or TV show before when we started on Lord of the Rings. We had to put together 158 people, and I think 38 of them had been working with us. Um, so, But regardless, that 158 people and the confidence you have in them is the thing that stops you hitting the bottom of the cliff. Mm. The confidence I had in Tanya as my partner and the people that were already with me with the five or six guys that were in the room with me on that day and also with the certainty of peter's leadership uh and vision so um we actually never never it got really hard as you could see it was really tough we we're making yeah. a lot of stuff we were running at a million miles an hour arguably doing crazy crazy hours to get that film made but never once did tanya and i return home together in an evening uh, and uh, suggest that this was too hard. We sh we should try and slow it down. This is um, we 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 you know or we shouldn't be doing this. Never once did that even cross my mind. Mm. Um, such was the almost euphoric joy that I felt every day to be involved in it, mm. and respecting and appreciating how extraordinarily fortunate we were to have been invited to be involved in it. Billy, you and I have very much been enjoying the Wondrium app recently. You're right, Dom. I love it. Very entertaining. Wondrium. It's a streaming app that allows video and learning experiences. And you and I both enjoy being entertained whilst educated at the same time. You're absolutely right, Dom. So there's classes out there for you. And if there's anything in particular that you're interested in, mm -hmm. you might find it on Wondrium. Of course, there's things that you'd expect like biology and history and space travel. But recently I've been learning about bread making and also ancient Rome. And you know what, Dom? Mm. There's probably a few of our listeners who are interested in the Lord of the Rings. Mm. And there's a few courses on there. Oh, yeah. Whether you want to find out if hobbits actually ever existed, oh, yes. Or maybe, where does Frodo Baggins sit in that rich history of literature? Mm, fantastic. 
explore all of your wonders with Wondrium. Trust us, your brain will love it. Sign up today to get our special limited time offer. A free month trial of unlimited access. Go now to wondrium.com forward slash onion. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash onion for your free month trial. Wondrium.com slash onion. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counselling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas. And another great thing, Dom, this service is available for clients worldwide. Yeah, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counsellor. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com slash onion. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental help with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counsellors in all 50 states. Special offer for the Friendship Onion listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash onion. Yeah, it's, in, it's incredible. And it, it's, it's funny having this kind of more extended chat with you. You see how all the pieces fit together in a, in a, mm. in a weird way from the, the start when you said, you know, I'm up here at 6.30 in the morning or whatever, and you're still as happy doing that because you took the, the boy taking that clay away from the wall and you made that your living. And... I think that's an amazing story. And I think the point I'm, I, I really want to get across is how important that is in the making of these films. All your people in, in Weta who were taking clay from walls or whatever their start was, they took that into the making of those films. Mm. And it was such an enormous part of it. So much so that I know that me and Dom came to visit Weta, your workshop, so many times during the making of the films mm. because that passion kind of, no matter how tired we got, sort of filled us up again. Yeah. You know, watching someone making a, a shield or a, or when we got our doubles faces, if, if you remember, they made those sort of <laughs> masks and, and helmets. <laughs> this is going to be your helmet. All that stuff. But there was the passion that was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and uh, the, the one that really blew me away was the, um, the uh, miniatures. Mm. Like, was that, always, was that always in the planning? Those... If you could yeah. explain what I mean like when I say those, like those miniatures of Minas Tirith and mm. yeah. Yeah, well, this is life before a absolute confidence in visual effects. Yeah. Uh, I just mentioned one thing. If you think about Lord of the Rings, another acknowledgement to Peter's, I'm not sure what you'd even call it, skill, ability, confidence, vision is that we started the movie and he left large gaps in the movie where he was certain that the visual effects that weren't invented yet would ultimately fill the gap. Wow. The primary one being Gollum, right? We originally talked about shooting a prosthetic Gollum, an actor dressed in prosthetics, um, in case the vision he had for Gollum didn't work out. But in the first few weeks, we abandoned that because the, the, we couldn't achieve Gollum prosthetically because right. he needed to be so unique. And so Pete just left um, gaps where he was convinced the digital effects arm of Weta would fulfill that responsibility. And indeed, they did. Another example is the large battles and the huge numbers of soldiers. Um, someone over at Weta Digital started designing a piece of software called Massive that would one day populate the battlefields with tens and tens of thousands of soldiers that you could never have done with real actors in New Zealand. So, um, but one area that he was certain and we were certain were going to be needed 
was uh, the environments. Uh, in the first film of Lord of the Rings, and I hope I've got this right, I apologise to everyone because my memory's quite vague on it all now, um, there's only one digital environment, which is Amon Hen. Uh, yeah. Everything else is miniatures. We built miniatures, 72 miniatures for the feature films. You build a miniature when there is not a location in the world that you can access or you want a, a location, a piece of architecture in the world that doesn't exist. Yeah. And um, the first miniature we built was Helm's Deep, and that was a massive miniature. If you remember, you guys, we coined the phrase bigotures because That's we right. never built a miniature. <laughs> I think Rivendell was the smallest miniature we ever built, and it wouldn't have fitted in the room that mm. we're in. But most of our miniatures touched the four corners of a large soundstage. Yeah. Because a miniature, you build a miniature relative to the size that the artist draws a person in the miniature. And, uh, sorry, in the world. And Alan Lee and John Howe would draw these monumental environments into which they'd draw these tiny little figures. So that required us to build extraordinarily large miniatures. We built... Um, we built Helm's Deep in Miramax days uh, when Miramax was still part of it. And a story I don't think I've ever related with respect to um, Helm's Deep is uh, sadly for all of us, Miramax uh, decided to uh, pull out of the project um, uh, and we thought it was potentially going to fall over. Pete set off around the world with a portfolio of art that we'd put together to try and find another person. He was allowed, I think, 30 days to put it into turnaround wow. to try and find a studio that would pick up the pro project. But over that 30 days, a you know a completely nice bloke from Miramax came down, but his task was to supervise us to put everything into shipping containers to ship up to America. And so we boxed every Marquette. And by that stage, we'd done literally hundreds of Marquettes. All the artwork, that was easy enough. The costumes, it was hard on your heart, but it was easy enough to pack it. We're putting them all in cardboard boxes, documenting them and so on. But um, the miniature of Minas Tirith, we literally had to cut with chainsaws into shipping container-sized slices and start sliding wow. them into shipping containers wow. to ship to a warehouse in the US. Um, but uh, thankfully, Pete came home on the 29th day or whatever it was and said that uh, New Line had picked up the project. So we pulled it all back out and all all got going again. We re-glued the miniature back together and and uh, started again. Goodness um, grief! Well, Rich, <laughs> Richard, we're yeah. we're slightly running out of time, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna slightly change tack now because Billy, it's our favourite part of the show. Oh, we haven't. Billy even and done Dom this. are gonna eat the world, and this is based on a recommendation of our good friend Richard Taylor. But while we do this, Richard, while we bring in these amazing New Zealand delicacy uh, jaffers. Um, oh yeah! I had a question for you because obviously, hey. oh nice, we hey. got them at the same time. Because obviously, you, <laughs> you you've spent an extraordinary amount of time at these conventions in the same way that Billy and I have, and you've met yeah. fans from every single corner of the planet. With with the profound work that you guys have done at Weta and the amount of people that you've met, again, is there is there any kind of is there anyone in particular that stood out to you where their journey with the movies or with the work that you guys did kind of resonated in a way that you could have never predicted? Um, yeah, the first thing I would say, as I hope you both agree, uh, I'm better for it for having met those people. Um, I don't like the way that I, I've witnessed certain uh, people within our industry going, Ah, the fans, you know, it's a bothersome problem to, that we have to deal with as part of our job. What a load of crap. Yeah. We, we're, we're very fortunate. In fact, our careers only exist because there are passionate individuals that love what we do so much. And those passionate individuals, when associated with the sort of things that we do, 
uh, Lord of the Rings, Narnia, um, Avatar, are probably exactly the same type of people that we are. They love the same yes. things we do. They they love what, you know. So invariably, they're almost certainly going to be people that we want to become friends with. And we've actually now had, we've made some of our closest family friends with fans. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it even seems the wrong word to use the word fans. They're enthusiasts of, of literature and film. And by some blessing, we've connected with them, and they've come and stayed with us at our home. Yeah. Uh, we we they send us Christmas presents, and we send them Christmas. We hang out together when we get together at conventions. Such as the warmth and friendship, and and in fact, there are too many to list mm. um, because yeah. of uh, and and our life is richer because of it. One of the things that we have been very fortunate is. Um, I'm not plugging this, although it will sound like it, our collectibles business that's sitting behind us. The beauty of this business is it let us stay attached to the to, to the world of Middle Earth well beyond the end of the movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, that otherwise we wouldn't have gone to conventions. You, mm-hmm. you, you've gone to conventions hired, uh, you know, invited by the convention because of what you did in the movies we would have just buried our heads and got on to the next project. But having a reason to go to the conventions has opened up our lives. It's given us the chance to take sort of 10 to 15 people a year from the workshop somewhere else in the world. And remember, many of those people have never traveled outside of New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And it's been enlightening to some of our team who have turned up at these conventions to discover that they are so, so loved um, yeah. uh, that they are important in the world to other people. That they're not just technicians working away in a in a in a workshop down at the bottom of the earth, and mm. um, and that's been joyous for us. And uh, but if I answer your question more specifically, Dom, the 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 stories that have impacted us, and you've heard them as well. Um, I felt that I was lost in life and then I watched the films. I felt that I couldn't carry on and then I watched the behind the scenes. Mum and Dad had told me there was no future in the arts and I should become a lawyer and then I watched the behind the scenes yeah. and it gave me the strength to change direction and, uh, you know, and that's really, really lovely. And we... we and, um, sorry, sorry, Richard. No, no, you say. I was going to say that we have met so many people as well, great artists who, who will bring their art and shows, and they will say they're, they're, what they want to happen more than anything is get to New Zealand and work at Weta. It's such a sort of, you know, beacon for them because of the work yeah. that they've seen on film. And they think, oh, if I could just get there, you know. So that's a wonderful it's a, thing it's as well. That's a great answer, Richard. And we've hired a number of people yep. from convention floors over yep. the years. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, Richard, yeah. we, know we, we know we're going to we'll let you uh, go. But let's, why don't you open that bag of Jaffers? We'll have a couple here. And then Billy and I will talk about Jaffers. Once you've left, because yeah. we're, on, we're on a little bit of a time. Well, so, I'm, I'm going to eat one now. So cheers to you guys. Cheers, Richard. And, uh, it's great to see my, you. My best to you. Give and, our love uh, to all, Tanya go, and the kids. Thank you very much. And Sorry we you, kept everyone. you so long, but it's been wonderful and to hear your stories. You, really wonderful, Richard, and lovely to see you. Great. All the best, you guys. Lots of love to everyone there at Weta, Richard, and hopefully we'll get to New Zealand soon and we can have a cup of tea in person. Yeah, very good. Wouldn't that be lovely? Billy and Dom eat the world. Well, Billy, that was the marvellously talented Richard Taylor there. Isn't he great? Or as I like to call him, Richard Taylor. That's very good, Dom. Yeah, the head of Weta. Now, if you guys know anything about special effects for the last, what, 30 years? Mm-hmm. Weta have been doing a lot of those things that you guys love. Narnia, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, Master and Commander, Avatar. It goes on. Uh, well, I'm still talking. It goes on and on, oh, Yeah, it goes it? on and on, Tom. Not They're only that, amazing. Not only that. And they are amazing. He, he recommended to us a sweetie that Billy and I ate a lot in New Zealand called Jaffa's, 
which we're going to talk about in a second. We had to let Richard go. He's just about to start his working day. He's very busy. But Richard and anyone that's listening from Weta, Billy and I both send you love. We look forward to seeing you in New Zealand soon. We'll talk to you in a bit. Right, Billy, let's get into it. Jaffers. Jaffers from Jaffers. New Zealand of all places. Now, we can't, can't eat them yet, although I really do want to. Right. Jaffers are one of the most notorious, most famous spherical sweets from the islands of New Zealand. Exactly. Um, I think they were modelled on uh, Mars, the red planet. Great call there. I'm not um, sure if that's true. but Now, there's no particular scent to it. Well, a little, a small <laughs> scent, an orangey scent. That right? nearly went right up my nose really? then. you got to be careful of that. You could, uh, you could suffocate. Can I eat it yet? No, don't eat right. it yet. We're going to read some stuff out about it. Jaffa's uh, New Zealand registered trademark for a small round sweet consisting of a solid orange flavoured chocolate centre with a hard covering of red coloured confection. They are called Jaffa's, Dom. After <clears throat> the Jaffa orange. Yes, a kind of small, slightly sweeter orange. And orange and chocolate is one of the great flavor combinations. In fact, you were probably the first person in my life to introduce slightly strange flavor combinations to me because you in New Zealand told me that I should try strawberries and balsamic vinegar. And doesn't it work? It works fantastically well. Dom, don't look at that just now, right? Why not, Guam? Because I'm going to get you to do something that involves numbers and also... uh... Close my eyes, Guam. Is it the amount of Jaffa's in an average packet? No, you can look at a Jaffa if you want. Go on. What is the diameter of that Jaffa? In centimetres? Yes. Diameter, that's the length of it across. I'm not telling you what a diameter is. Diameter, I think, is the length of it it across. I'm going to say 1.5 centimetres. You absolute sh... Did I get it? Yeah, you read No, I didn't. I honestly honestly didn't. Didn't you really? I I swear I didn't. I'm pretty good at measuring. I just did it once. You told me not to. You got too excited. Okay, no, talk about it. Talk about it. How does it taste? Never eat a Jaffa too quickly. Mm. You know the rules. It's like... I like one too. Orange chocolate. Mm. Crunchy on the outside. Get your mouth closer to the mic. No, somebody told me not to on That's Instagram. He said, could you get your mouth what? far away? Mm. Dom, mm. it's crunchy. It's, it's, you've got an orange chocolate that melts in the middle and surrounding it, a crunchy, sweet shell that doesn't melt as fast. So you're left with a kind of mm. a bitey, crunchy. And the cool thing is, I've had these in my hand for a couple of minutes now. They don't melt. They do not melt. That's what I'm just trying here, Dom. Mm. Try, try another one. All right, mm. so here, you can make your own Jaffa milkshake by mixing Jaffa chocolates with milk and ice cream in a blender. Now tell me, Dom, mm. is it not true that you could make anything into a milkshake by mixing it with milk and ice cream in a blender? <laughs> That's cool. You can make like a pin- pilchard milkshake. I you? mean, if you had mincemeat, you could make a mincemeat milkshake if you mix it with milk Good and point. ice cream in a blender. Let me, ta- let me tell you this. The Jaffa is one of the few British imports based on the popular English Jaffa cake. Oh, I love a Jaffa cake. Kind of a biscuit, isn't it, really, which combines orange and chocolate with a Guyanese sponge base. That explains why Australian New Zealand Jaffas are small balls of chocolate covered with hard orange coating. Because they're trying to replicate a Jaffa cake. Can I just say, a Jaffa chocolate from New Zealand with a Jaffa cake from Britain and a lovely cup of tea. Lovely. Should we give it scores? Before you do that, I'm going to give you, you a fact. Never point at me while holding a Jaffa. You know the rules. Go I'm on. going to give you a fact. Why is a Jaffa cake, which you said is more of a biscuit or a cookie. Cookie. Why is it called a Jaffa cake? Why do the people that make it want it to be a cake? Can I? Do you know the answers? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take a guess here. I think the people making Jaffa cakes base it on a cake on the thickness of the thing itself. Is that right? No. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they want it to be a cake because the tax... The taxis are less on a cake than a biscuit. Billy, I was almost going to get it. Right, let's give it scores. First, I never know the cat- categories. Flavour. Flavour. Wow, here we go. Get close to the mic. Get, you, get that lovely no, mouth. Don't do me, not you. I like it when you chew it very close to the mouth. Um, mm. Taste. That's a good flavour. Out of ten. I've got some in here. In my, in my breast pocket. 
I'm giving it an 8.6 out of 10. It's a fantastic combination. It's almost as good as jam and peanut butter. Orange and chocolate. And that, as you said, that crunchy thing where it leaves the crunch in your Mm. mouth even after the chocolate's gone. It's a 9.3! My goodness, 9.3. Okay, The, the look, the aesthetic. I mean, that is... That's pretty classic. It looks like, like you said, it looks like a miniature Mars, doesn't it? Don't choke. Almost. Back into my breast pocket. <laughs> it's a simple, classic shape. I'm going to say, I'm giving it a solid nine. You can't beat that. It's an orange ball. I mean, it's no, absolutely. And I love the color. Although it's a bit more red than orange, I would say. You've had red balls before, haven't you? I have. Yeah. And it's those surf shorts you wore. Well, they were too tight. Mm. 1.5 centimetres diameter. I guess that, Hannah Mahat. I'll give it an 8.2. And then finally, usefulness. Mm. <laughs> Which I know is your favourite guy. It's just hard to quantify the usefulness of this. I mean, it's great as a, as a <laughs> confection, but, and it says you can make milkshakes out of it, but I'm going to demote it. Do you know what I mean? There's not a huge amount of usefulness, although it's travel sized. Have you. <laughs> <laughs> you got it in your pocket. You could go on a train. Most of it doesn't. Gla- Gla- yeah, that's a good point, see. But Glasgow to London, you'd still have a few in your pocket, no problem. Lovely. I'm going to give it a... I'll give it a four for uselessness. Yeah, it's not... Not it's uselessness. Not, usefulness. It's not crazy usefulness. Yeah. So a six out of ten for uselessness and a four out of ten for usefulness. Cool. That was Jaffa I'm from I'm not New done. Zealand. Oh, he's not done. 6.2 for usefulness. Guys, sorry about the screaming, but too many Jaffas will actually raise the volume of British people. I love it. They're so tasty. That was it. Fantastic. Yummy stuff. Give us some more. Jaffas. Well, Dom, yeah. I think we should leave it there. What a fantastic show. Wasn't it? Didn't you enjoy it? I absolutely loved it. A wetter special. And we'll see you guys next week. But make sure you rate, review and subscribe to The Friendship Onion. Thank you, everyone. Toodles. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.